0: Today, we are continuing our Advent reflection on Jesus' life and death and what that means for us. Um, And we are exploring this from the perspective of the first 400 years of the church, uh, the early church fathers and mothers, and how they understood what Jesus did, the atoning work of Jesus. Uh, The atonement is a word That can be summed up this meaning at one mint. How does God make one us with Him? How does He make us and all creation one with God, restoring that relationship, the at one mint? And we are exploring um, what people, uh, this metaphor of the medical. Atonement or the healing uh, at one mints. And I want to say, I didn't say this last week, but there are many metaphors and many ways that the scriptures and the church fathers and mothers throughout history have tried to uh, understand and explain this beautiful mystery of what Jesus has done. There are metaphors that they're trying to grasp at this mystery. It's like many facets of this diamond. I remember when I was going to buy uh, Joanna the engagement ring that I was going to give her for marriage and I was so nervous and I was like, I'm I'm going to get the wrong thing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember my neck was like, I was like fused because I was so stressed for like two days. I couldn't like move. I was so stressed, but I finally, I bought it and I remember looking at it and you've seen a diamond. What makes it shine? What makes it brilliant? what makes it sparkle is the many facets that it has. It's cut at many angles and looking at it. And so I'm presenting uh, over this Advent, uh, a a facet that is often forgotten and, uh, but is an ancient facet, but it may be new to you uh, a way of looking at how Jesus life, death and resurrection has saved us from our sins. And so uh, many millions of Christians, even today, mostly in the East, see this as the predominant way of understanding God's work on the cross. And so, as we discussed, if you haven't listened to the sermon last week, I encourage you to listen to it because we looked at how Jesus enters our story, enters Our humanity, all of God, fully God, fully human, all of God poured into human experience. He takes on flesh and blood, carne adevada, right? Chili con carne, God con carne, God with meat and flesh and bone, and he pours his divine life. And in that is our healing. The ancient uh, fathers would say and mothers would say, what God does not assume, he does not heal. Can we all say that together? What well, God does not assume, he does not heal. That means if God doesn't take on all of our humanity, all of our humanity cannot be healed. And so he takes all of our human experience, all of our uh even our 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 human nature and the disease of sin, the terminal illness we have. He takes it and he does battle with it. He heals us from the inside out. And so his whole life beginning with his incarnation is his work, is his healing work. It's not just on the cross. The cross is the culmination, but his whole life was the healing journey, was the operation, was the surgery. So that's where we are. Jesus is God's way of undoing human evil in a personal and loving way. And so let's read Hebrews 4, 15, if we could, and then 5, 7 through 10. I didn't reference this that last week, but it's important. He said, uh, "The author of Hebrews says we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So here is a, a God that has entered fully into the human experience, as we read in Matthew, tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet he was faithful. He did not sin." And then we have 5, uh, 7 through 10. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. This isn't just talking about the Garden of Gethsemane when he weeps uh, and sweats blood. This is talking about his life throughout his days on earth. He gives fervent prayers, cries. He suffers. All right? Tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission, his cooperation, his consent to the father's work. Go ahead. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Does that verse ever not made sense to you? He learned obedience through his suffering. How does Jesus learn obedience in this framework of understanding Jesus healing us from the inside out? healing us from entering into our human experience, doing a circumcision of his own heart, surgeon and patient. We see that this begins to make sense. He learned obedience from what he suffered as he resisted temptation at every moment. And then once he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So here We are going to dive a little bit deeper into how Jesus heals us, how he brings us into unity with himself, with God's self. And I want to declare this good news to us, that today, God in Jesus, by his spirit, is retelling your story. He's healing the wounds that you've inflicted on others and the wounds that have been inflicted on you by others in Jesus, by the Spirit of God, He is making peace in your humanity with God, others, and all of creation. That is the good news. that's really good news. He's retelling our stories. I think we all have regrets. reminds me of the Frank Sinatra song, right? I'm going singing it for you. Isn't there a Frank? I've got regrets. we've all got a few. Woo woo woo. No? Okay. All right. (laughs) Anyways, we all have regrets. We all have things we wish we could get a mulligan on, right? A redo. Some of these things are minor. Like, oh, I mean, I wish I wouldn't have said that to that person at McDonald's. That was stupid. I feel weird. But others are like, like really significant, even seasons in our life where we were just um, producing a lot of harm, a lot of woundedness, or maybe we were in a season where we were receiving a lot of harm, a lot of sins committed against us. We wish our story could be retold. We wish that trauma could be undone. We wish we could get a do-over. I uh, remember the first time I, I really was aware that I hurt Joanna's feelings. It was only a couple weeks into our marriage Um, It might have been even days into it, but I'll give myself a couple weeks. It was a couple weeks into our marriage, and I remember we were in the kitchen. We had coffee, and I said something. I don't even remember what I said, but it was something... Um, to some critique, some criticism that she wasn't living into or embodying this, this, my definition of spirituality or, 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 or being spiritual or living, doing the things in the right way as I saw them. And I said something, I don't remember what it was, but I remember her reaction. I remember her face falling and I remember her tears and a gut wrenching sobs because I hurt her. I deeply wounded her. And, and in that moment, I had tried to control her and kind of form her and shape her into the image that I thought she should be in. And I had broken something deep in her and I felt really bad, but I didn't stop being bad. I didn't stop that, that that behavior, that pattern, it went on for, for years and I still struggle with it, but I was, I kept on trying to control Joanna to conform her into my image. I didn't stop hurting her. And I thought my role as her husband was to be the Holy Spirit, like, you know, to hear directly from the Holy Spirit and communicate that message to her. Cause I know exactly what God wants her to do. And so and she didn't think she didn't think so. And so I just watched her, I, I, I had a revelation a while uh, soon, at, later, much later, that I was causing her to wilt rather than to blossom into who God had made her to be. I wish I could get a redo on that season. I wish I could read, have that part of my story retold. I want to add, what havoc or hurt has sin caused in your life? What's a season in your life, a pattern of behavior that you wish you could get a redo on, that you wish could be retold, redeemed, and restored and handed back to you whole? How have you hurt others? How have you been hurt by others? In what ways do you long to rewrite your story? It might seem hopeless. It might seem like you'll never get the opportunity to do that. But this is the beautiful truth of Christmas. This is the beautiful truth of God entering into our human story, into the story of Israel. He actually is retelling our story. He's healing the wounds of sin you've inflicted and that have been inflicted on you. And the Christmas story is really about our story being retold, the human story being retold, beginning with Israel and extending to us, to you and to me. By his spirit, he enters our story, retells, redeems, and reweaves our story. And so we desire as human beings a happy ending, right, to our stories. I don't know if you notice that most movies, unless it's like a super weird artsy movie, they all have happy endings, right? Because the human experience, we want it, we desire it, we long for it. Whether it's Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or it's Star Wars, there's a happy ending. I think of of, um, Star Wars. And let me say from the beginning, this whole series, I'm just going to give credit real quick. To this guy named Mako Nagasawa. Uh, some of you met him in our, our um, um, couple classes that we've done. He's out of Boston, but he's done so much work and, uh, on on this and, and understanding how we can explain what Jesus has done. So I'm just going to like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving him lots of credit. And I, I, you know, things are mine and things are his, and it's all a thing. So also, Brad Jerzak is another guy. So that out of the way, this story. Uh, Comes from him, this this understanding. So Luke Skywalker, here we are, right? Versus Darth Vader. Epic story. Happy endings don't just happen. Really happy endings often come from replaying the mess ups people did before but with a twist. So this is what happens with Anakin and Luke Skywalker. Anakin is the guy who becomes eventually Darth Vader. Did you notice that Luke repeats motifs from his father, Anakin's life? So here's here's the example. In Anakin's duel with Count Dooku, or however you say that, Anakin loses his green lightsaber, but he also has Obi-Wan Kenobi's blue lightsaber and so during the fight that they're having this duel this lightsaber duel right the power cord is cut which turns the lights off so they're fighting in the dark and the lightsabers are glowing you know and so anakin and Dooku fight in blue and red lightsaber duel and the blue and red lights are reflecting off of their faces and in that duel remember young anakin loses his right hand it's cut off and of course anakin then later fighting this epic battle with evil, actually chooses to give into evil and become a part of evil, right? He becomes part of the dark side, right? He joins the dark side. Now, enters the story with Luke, Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker, the story is really a replaying of Anakin's story, but he redeems it. He has a blue lightsaber when he fights Darth Vader who now has a red lightsaber. So Luke and Darth Vader fight in blue and red lightsaber duel and blue and red lights are reflected on their faces. As you can see, right. They're in a dark room. They replay the same moves. It's choreographed the same way. And Luke Skywalker loses his right hand. All right. But there's one difference. There's all these parallels to their stories, but there's one difference that Luke Skywalker is faithful where Anakin fails. They, he's retelling the story, and in so doing, redeeming the story of Anakin, because he chooses to walk the way of the the Force, the good Force, the good side. Right? I'm not very much of a Star Wars guy. I'm sorry, you can probably tell. Yes, <laughs> thanks. Sorry, sorry, I didn't. Yeah, sorry, I'm a disappointment. But. He stays on the good side. He's he's he 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 remains faithful. And he retells Anakin's story and he actually even redeems Darth Vader. They become reconciled through his faithfulness. This is what Jesus does. Jesus is the ultimate story. Every story is a retelling of the one story, the meta story of of God in Christ saving the world. And Jesus enters our story, the human story, and he enters the villain's story, human sickness, and human bodies, and all creation, and he is faithful at every point. We were unfaithful. He was faithful at every point. Israel was unfaithful, and this is what actually the Gospels retell. If you were an Israelite, a Jewish person hearing the Gospel for the first time, the Gospels like Matthew, the book of Matthew, hearing the story of this Messiah, you would be, it would be like hearing the story of America retold, but Jesus kind of occupying significant moments in history. And you'd be like, what? Wait, what? Like, it would be like Jesus. Okay, so this guy named Jesus, and he, he, he row, he was on a boat called the Mayflower, and he came over from England and he landed on the shores of the Americas. And we're like, wait, that's, that sounds really familiar. You'd be like, and then these, this indigenous peoples like came and we're expecting. And then he like, you know, took them down. No, he was not, he, he was nice to them. He honored them. They engaged in a partnership. They steward the land together. They gave he gave them the dignity and the worth and the honor as God's creations. And and it would be a, a faithful retelling of the story. And this is how Jesus, Jesus actually enters and retells the story of Israel. And this is how he heals us. He enters the human experience. So let's, let's just walk through what this, is, what this looks like, how Jesus retells Israel's story. We could go into it real deep, but I'll try to stay on the surface here because I know the kids are super engaged. First, and let's just take the Gospel of Matthew. First, um, just like Israel, Jesus went to Egypt. As a baby, he was fled. He was taken to Egypt. Israel is has to go through Egypt. And then Jesus comes back like Israel. He was pursued by a genocidal foreign ruler, Pharaoh. Jesus, the Pharaoh, Israel's pursued by Pharaoh. Jesus is pursued by Herod, right? There's weeping, right? As mothers lose their children due to the slaughter. Same thing happens in Egypt. Pharaoh's the firstborn and Herod has Everyone the age of Jesus, slaughtered, parallel. Israel has to go through the Red Sea in kind of this baptism. Jesus goes through the waters of the Jordan and is baptized. Does that sound like a stretch? No, because then Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness for how many days? Forty days. How many years was Israel in the wilderness? Forty years. You see, Jesus on the Mayflower, right? He's, he's retelling the story. He um, In the desert, he uses the book, uh, every quotation that he refutes the devil with is a refutation from the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is where the law is given, the, the covenant is given in the wilderness, and he is faithful to live according to that covenant. Every spot, every place where Israel failed to live up to that covenant. Jesus tells a ser- gives a sermon on the mount a new commandment i give to you um israel receives the 10 commandments at the at the mountain right jesus this he's retelling the story the 12 disciples 12 tribes of israel um it goes on and and on all right that jesus is retelling israel's story now why it's not just symbolism it's not just literary um like a good storytelling. It's actually Jesus becoming both physician and patient, surgeon and patient, as we talked about last week. He's entering fully into our human experience, fully God, fully human. And at every point, he's doing circumcision on his own heart. Because God said in Deuteronomy 10 16, circumcise your hearts. And we couldn't do it, we wouldn't do it. In Jeremiah 31, he says, write the law on your hearts. We couldn't do it. We wrote sin deeper into our hearts. And so then God says in Deuteronomy 36 and in Jeremiah 31, he says, I'll do it. I'll perform the surgery. I'll write God's law on your heart, God's love on your heart, God's vision for the world on your heart. I'll do it. But he does it. He can't do it detached from the human experience. He does it as a human. And he undergoes the surgery and he resists the sin at every moment we fail. He retells the story and he hands it back, untangled from all that sin and all that mess and all that woundedness, and he hands it back, rewoven into a beautiful story of redemption. Are you following me? Awesome. And he does that with Israel's story and he does it with the human story. He is the the new Adam, right? And we could go on to how. Each temptation in the desert actually echoes the temptation of Eve. Let me just do it real quick. I'll just do it real quick. Eve took the fruit because she thought it was good for food. This is mirrored by, Satan says, turn these stones into bread, right? It was a delight to her eyes. And Satan says, look at these kingdoms. See the nations of the world. The fruit was desirable to make one wise. And Satan offers Jesus admiration of others. Jesus was undoing the sin of humanity, reliving the temptation by Satan, but without giving in. God and Jesus, by his spirit, is retelling your story, not just Israel's story, but your story. He's healing the wounds of sin you've inflicted on others, on your children, on your wife, on your husband, on your partner, on your friends. He's healing those wounds and he's healing the wounds that have been inflicted on you by others, that trauma and that sin committed against you. Into about eight years into our marriage, um, Joanna and I, we had is actually related to moving into our neighborhood. Into this place. I by the kindness of the Holy spirit and by people speaking into my life who saw how I was trying to control and, and manage Joanna um, spoken to my life. And, and I realized I need to, I need, this needs to stop. I'm not honoring my wife. I'm not honoring the person God has made her to be. And so I began, the spirit began to empower me to surrender control and to trust that God is at work in my wife. And that I can hear the Holy spirit. I don't need to tell her what the Holy spirit is saying. I need to hear from her, from the Holy spirit. Like, like I need to learn from her and my wife and I need to grow in caring for her and honoring her and to trust her. And I remember telling her, like I was, we were, we were discerning whether we should move down here and I was really pushing for it, but it just wasn't the time. And and some friends spoken to my life. It's like, you got to lay off, bro. Uh, that's basically what they said. And so I came home just like feeling broken and realizing that by the grace and love of kindness of God, he's like, you're wilting your wife. And I just came home and I said, Joanna, I have not been honoring you, I've not been trusting you. I'm not going to mention another thing of this. I trust the Holy Spirit to speak to us through you. And that began the opportunity to begin to have my story retold and redeemed and handed back to us. And the Holy Spirit is still helping me rewrite that story. He's still rewriting his love on my heart in relationship to my wife. She'll say, I'm not perfect at that at all, but God is sanctifying me. He's healing me. And this is what he does. He enters our story. He enters our very bodies by his spirit and he hands us his healed humanity so that we might walk in newness of life. So this is what Jesus is about. Jesus wants to take our stories He wants to honor our stories and he wants to retell our stories. And so I want to ask you and end with this. How do you think Jesus wants to relive your life story with you? He doesn't take you over and you become like a robot, like a Holy Spirit robot, right? He doesn't, your body doesn't go to autopilot. You have to cooperate and consent to his work of healing in your life. How do you think Jesus wants to relive your life story with you and heal you and transform you and untangle and hand back? Would you think of that and would you consent to his work in your life? He is making peace in your humanity with God, with others, and with all creation. Let's pray and, and um, hear and sing and proclaim over one another the blessing that God has given us and we'll receive communion together. Lord, I thank you that you are retelling our stories, unwinding and untangling the wounds that we live in and are bound by. Thank you that you are bringing healing and give us an opportunity by your spirit to be healed and to retell. In Jesus' name, amen.